Welcome to the Score and I podcast, where we bring you the best Irish league discussion each week. To find out about future shows, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the Score and I. Now it's time for this week's program. This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. And Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're, you're listening, listening to the score. The score with Michael Clark. And welcome along to The Score. We're live on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM with me, Michael Clark. Me, Colin Hopkins. And our special studio guest, Josh Kelly of Balamina United. Good afternoon to you, Josh. Good afternoon. Thanks great, for having me. Great to have you here. Yes, uh, Josh is with us. Uh, what a tough week for Balamina United. Fans think it's fair to say the excitement of uh, being in the County Antrim Shield final and then stoppage time. So uh, contrasting opinions and moods, I'm sure, still today, if you are indeed a Balamina fan versus if you're a Cliftonville fan. Well, fair play to Josh, he's here. He's going to talk about that and his career so far. What's it like uh, being at the Sky Blues after joining them in the summer? All that and much more coming up here on The Score. We've got our Irish League predictions on the way on the programme. We've Where's Your Head At? And uh, we've interviews and reaction from Loch Auld's Middlestra Cup final victory too. And congratulations to Loch Auld. Uh, underdogs going into it and coming away uh, with that coveted prize. We'll uh, hear some reaction later on in the programme. All that and more in store here on The Score. The score with Michael Clark. Yes, it is a Friday. It is uh, one of the best days of the week. People, uh, we're a day closer to football, or maybe maybe football has arrived for you already, depending on who you support and what game you're going to uh, across the country. And um, people are now probably thinking about skiving off the last hour to work. What more could you want? Um, better than Christmas sometimes, a Friday. Uh, Colin, what sort of form are we finding you in today? We're finding me in excellent form. It's uh, the end of a week, as you say, Friday afternoon. Weekend ahead of us, so can't wait. Should I just get this out of the way really early doors? You've bought me a wee present. Oh, yes, I have indeed. I've, <laughs> I've I treated you to a cupcake friend for our listeners, in case they don't know. Tomorrow is somebody's 30th birthday. Oh, Happy yeah. birthday in advance. Passed it. <laughs> passed it before he ever had it. Um, how wonderful... That's a uh, veteran. <laughs> what age is a footballer? Veteran broadcaster. You know, that's what age is a footballer? To be a veteran broadcaster, I feel like you have to be like 60, 70, don't you? A few years of experience. Don't you, don't you Josh? Yeah, because like a footballer, as soon as they hit their 30th birthday, it's like, uh-oh, right, here we go now, you know, and start talking about your legs more. <laughs> You've been using them your whole career, but now, now we're talking about them. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, thankfully, the voice is intact. Uh, maybe Sunday morning will be a different scenario. Um, but uh, thank you very much. I have to say... Uh, uh, someone, I was in uh, a place getting coffee earlier, right, and there was a problem at the till. Uh, a problem being that someone didn't have contactless, so the, the young fellow was using chip and pin, and the the girl on the, the counter knows me, so she made a joke about even him, even he knows how to, you know. And I said, yeah, lads, I'm, you know, I'm 30 tomorrow. Oof. And they were probably about 15, 16. And one of them in the Liverpool top was like, oh, that's a bit old, isn't it? <laughs> 
And I said, 30. That is how many years it has been since your team has won a league. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, and that will end this season. Uh, they will, they'll have the league wrapped up. If Man City win all of their games, Liverpool could win the league at the Etihad. Playing them. Playing them, right. playing them, which is amazing. I think it'll be done before that. But could it be that they win it the week before and then have to get the guard of honour? At the no. Etihad, imagine how stinking that would be as the champions have to go, well, oh, well done, oh, well done. Yeah, but worse if it had been Old Trafford, mind you. Yeah, no, small mercies, small mercies. <laughs> Not too sure it it's, been a, it's been a hard season, guys, all right? Yeah. <laughs> There's only, I mean, Josh, you're a Newcastle fan. Yep, unfortunately. Uh, so it's, it's been, I mean... There, there was a, a night where stoppage time was not your friend in the match you're playing at, but the yeah. team you supported at least were able to score two goals in the 94th minute. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, obviously I wasn't straight after the match. I wasn't thinking too much about Newcastle, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but uh, it just shows you the, the way football goes. Two games in one night, this 94th and 95th in the Newcastle game, and obviously our game was 96th and 97th, so it's, it's never over until it's over. No, definitely not. Look, that's, I mean, it's it's probably the thing you want to talk about least, but it's where we have to start, I'm afraid. Um, try and sum up those 10 minutes for me, because you come on late in the game, your team's 1-0 up, and you must be thinking, brilliant, I'm getting a run out here, we're going to lift this thing in a few minutes' time. Yeah, well, that is that is what I was thinking, obviously nervous, first, first ever final I've ever played in, you know, you try and go out and you try and do your first thing right, um, and obviously... Felt like we were going to hang on and hang on, and then obviously the two goals just came quick, quick fire, and it was uh, it just stunned the whole. I think it stunned the whole crowd, even Cliftonville fans, Cliftonville players, and um, obviously I was saying earlier and all further that uh, once it all settled down, you know, my mates were giving me a bit of stick, you know, coming <laughs> on the eightieth minute one 0 up, and you finished the match and it's two one, but uh, it's just that's the highs and lows of football, unfortunately. So. It's a strange situation that you know two goals so quick. Usually you concede one, and then you get a bit of a time to recover. If that makes sense, uh, in this case you, you didn't. It was just a second goal, just so it quickly. Was, uh, it was just bang bang. That's the way I don't can't even describe it. You know, it's mm-hmm. just some something you can't put into words. Sometimes with the way football goes, but uh, hopefully make amends of it in the rest of the season and and in the Irish Cup, hopefully. So it must have been a real low afterwards. I mean, from. The, the jubilation of, of going in front and, and the whole mood when you were coming on yes there's a nervousness because mm-hmm. as you said it's your first final and it's exciting but there, the bench everyone must have been in good form there must have been a belief that this is going to be this is ours now oh definitely like um, I think that's I think David even alluded to it afterwards in the change room despite the disappointment that is probably the best we've played in, in a couple of months now um, I think we were we were brilliant in the game, and a, a lot of people have said that obviously we deserve to win it, and um, obviously there's plenty of confidence about. It and then it's just unfortunate that it, it had to happen. Basically, sums up our season, unfortunately, that, that so far. But hopefully, we can turn it around. How did your manager address it in the change rooms afterwards? I mean, what? How does David? David. Well, obviously, just I mean, I wouldn't know how to address that, but obviously he's been about, and he knows that. This is the way cup finals can go, and um, I'm sure he's experienced it. And he just, he basically just consoled us and, and said that he was proud of the performance and he couldn't do, we couldn't do anything else. Um, obviously, it was just things that happened. He he tried to say as as little as possible because it was just you know it's raw, yeah. and then obviously last night at training he just touched on it again and brought a bit of closure and just said he was he was very happy with their performance and we'll keep carrying that on the rest of the season we'll get more rewards than not 
trying to bring a bit of positivity out of it. I mean, what do you, you as an individual really learn from? Well, you t- obviously you try and learn from the defeat in, in a cup final and make sure it won't happen again. You, you sort of bottle the feeling that you had at the end of the game watching Cliftonville win it. Um, you bottle that and think that's not going to happen the next time. You know, that's that's the best thing you can do, really. And that's such a good point. And how many times have we seen that, whether it be County Andrum Shield finalists or, or uh, any competition? You know, certainly you think of Irish Cup years where a, a team loses an Irish Cup final one year, next year they go and win the thing. That's the sort of motivation. Once you've tasted that and you go, we, we can't do that. Mm. Almost the fear of, of that being replicated is enough to drive you on, let alone your natural desire to win a thing. Knowing how bad it is to be on the wrong end mm. means, you know, you, you think, let's not let's not do this again. And in fairness, you know, you have a very experienced manager there who I'm sure is able to say the right things and, and pick you back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it been like being under David Jeffrey? Because I'm sure when you were signing, he was a big factor. It was uh, probably the biggest factor, to be honest. Um I was uh I've always been a fan of the Irish League. My dad's always followed the Irish League, my grandfather followed the Irish League, so like David Jeffrey was just a, a renowned name and um obviously I knew much of him. I couldn't believe actually to be honest in the summer when uh Brian McLaughlin um contacted me and said and then obviously met with David and, and just mine was made up instantly, like it just there's no way you could turn down uh working under David Jeffrey, like it's it was unbelievable. What was, I can imagine the excitement of that. So how does that all come about? I mean, is it initially, are you are you meeting them for coffee somewhere? Do you have to go to them? What, what, how does actually, that work? It was actually a funny story. Um, we were, I, part of my uni course, you have to do uh, a placement for eight weeks. So I was in Ashfield Boys High School and uh, Brian works in Boys Model and he, Boys Model in Ashfield were playing a football game and there was me and Alex Moore. Uh, we were both on placement in Ashfield and he said... Uh, I think uh, one of the PE teachers, John Spence, was saying, was talking to Brian. He knows him stuff, and Brian was like, "Is that Josh Kelly or whatever?" And he says that Paul McGreevy, I think, was looking my number, and Brian phoned Paul up and says, "I've got him here in front of me." And he said, <laughs> "Couldn't believe it." And it was, it was a funny story from that. And then after that, Brian just said, um, "If you want to come up to Ballymena, we'll meet." David just said, um, "I think he says the same to every player." He says he says the same to every player. So um, if you want to join, like we try and sign good people and and. I'll leave it up to you, take it a week to, to decide and I obviously didn't need a week like I knew straight away as soon as I was <laughs> going to meet him but yeah that's how it came about uh, The amazing thing about uh, the Irish League and just uh, sorry if I'm sort of telling people this and maybe a lot of our listeners already know but um, there is a re- some of the managers in particular David Jeffrey, none more than have a real aura about them. You know, mm-hmm. when, you, when you meet someone like David Jeffrey, and it might be hard to understand that if you haven't been in his company, mm-hmm. naturally people are just sort of drawn to him. He's a very charismatic person. Um, and I imagine, you know, that could be quite an intimidating feeling for a young player to go into that office, see him sitting there and, and know his history, and him just to very calmly say, like, we sound good players, do you want to play for us or not? It's, it's, nearly, it's nearly like a scene from The Godfather. That's, that's <laughs> exactly what it's like. Um, I think there is... You said it's right. The, around the whole Irish league, there's a lot of there's a lot of personalities, whether it's players or or uh, managers, and they all obviously none more. So he is basically the king of the Irish league, and <laughs> um, with what he's done, so it was. It's not intimidating. You just look up to him and think, yeah, you know, obviously you, that's how he gets the best out of his players because you wanna you wanna work for him, and, and and he says the right things to make you play. So 
it's been brilliant so far. Like can't cannot complain. And if he's listening, David Jeffrey, you've just been called the king of the Irish. <laughs> There's no way you can drop choice. Uh, I'm sure I'm probably going to get a bit of stick now. Saying so, no. But 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 it's it's hard to it's hard to argue it. Uh, I was going to say that I would love to be a fly on the wall for one of his team talks because I I've been in his presence when he's given speeches and you sort of think I'm ready to run through a wall now and then you have to catch yourself on. You go well, the speech wasn't even for me. But there must be at times and you're sitting there and you're going, all right, right, let's go. Yeah, I know that it is. That's exactly what it's like. It, um, obviously, he knows knows to say the right things to motivate the players and and it definitely works. Um, as, as team talks are. They definitely get you fired up. Um, coming into that, I mean, is he a hard taskmaster to... I, I'm under no illusions that he's not all, you know, rainbows and sunshine, because uh, no manager can be. I think it, that that would just never work. But uh, can that tough side to him, how tough is it when he's when he's working with you, or is he actually quite relaxed away from match days? It's, I think he, he gets a good balance, and that's what I think makes him as good as he is. Um, he knows, obviously, when the if he needs to be the hard taskmaster to to do that, and if if he needs to console a player or, you know, pay a compliment to a player, he, he'll be able to do that too. So, it's he strikes a good balance, and obviously, in those you you don't want to cross him as well. So, it's uh it's no, it's been brilliant. So, and that that respect obviously is there. Um, Balamina fans listening to this will no doubt be wondering what the season has been like from inside the camp because for them at times it's been really really frustrating and um, they've not been shy in saying that at times and I can understand their frustration when they're seeing uh, Lauren come into the league, uh, do so well, the resurgence of Glen Torren and yes so, okay you know, budgets and finances are a part of that but for you guys um, parts of the season where there's been injuries, results that haven't gone your way it can't have been easy. No, no, it definitely hasn't been easy. Um, first season, obviously, when you're going in at the start, the first few games, you think we get off to a good run here, and, and almost immediately, it just it started on a bit of a a bit of a damp note because there was injuries and and with well, obviously the highs of Europe actually was it was that was phenomenal. Basically, I think it was Balamina's first ever time getting through the first qualifying stage, and then obviously. You make your way into the league, and I think there was a point with eleven or twelve people injured, and uh, obviously we're not here to make excuses or anything about the performance. I think every David, the staff, all the players know that it hasn't been good enough, um, but we're under no illusion that the only way to get out of it, and the staff bang on about it, the only way to get out of it is uh, to work hard, and that there's no other magic, you know, recipe to get out of uh, the a rut or or a run of defeat so that's all you can do is work hard and try and turn the results around Doesn't it show you how long a season is as well that you would be totally forgiven for forgetting Balamina's achievements in Europe before the season even started you know I, I think uh, totally normal if you were to say who were they playing against the Cain how did they get on and it was a 2-0 a home win and then you went away yeah. and you got a draw as well yeah. Away to Runovic yeah in the Faroe Islands and, and uh, you know it's with the fog and the mist, and you, you can hardly see from one end of the pitch to the other. But uh, went away there and drew an LH, and I think their striker was a national team. Was in the national team for uh, the Faroe Islands, and he was he was a good player. So to keep a clean sheet over two legs and get through and play, obviously experienced Malmo, which was just next level. Um, um, it was I think it was definitely something that'll live long in the memory in Balmain. Anyway, I mean for you. 
winning it, winning it, being part of a winning squad in Europe is obviously. Uh, I've never experienced it. That'll shock you, won't it? <laughs> it must be amazing. But even though Malmo, Malmo won seven nil, we know that. But was that more special in a way to be in that stadium and to feel like that that atmosphere? Yeah, um, it was quite surreal actually to be part of. So normally you're just used to going to matches like that as a spectator, and you you, you never think or dream that you'd be involved in something like that. And you know the players coming out and there's. I don't know, there must have been 13,000 or so at the game singing their uh, opening song to the players coming out and, you know, there's their ultras in the corner singing. And it, it's, uh, it was incredible, to be honest, and obviously the team didn't disappoint because they were just as good as the fans. Uh, some amazing players that uh, people would probably be familiar with. And Uwe Rosler was the manager. He stepped away, actually, after their... Uh, Europa League game against Copenhagen which was an interesting one I had the, the fortune of commentating on that and saying uh, Malmo this season and, and knowing uh, just how vociferous and how vocal their their fans can be and it was funny coming into that game was I was preparing for it in the, the so-called bridge derby and I was talking to a couple of people from Balamina about it and they were all just saying what a time we had you know, yeah. f- you know forget the result what a time we had against a really top class team but also very welcoming people yeah no the 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 way uh, Malmo City where we were staying and in the round there was like a square full of restaurants and bars and all and everyone well obviously had a wee walk through it and there was a few Balmina fans and and everyone was looking and welcoming us and you know it was it was brilliant obviously they knew that we were playing Malmo and no it was it was a, it was a brilliant time away there and uh, very welcome definitely. Do you get much free time when you're away on a European trip? You do uh, between meals. You you feel like you're eating every every two hours or every <laughs> an hour and a half. Um, but yeah, no, there is there's plenty of free time. And then obviously, there was table tennis and pool tables up in the in the hotel, and you get a bit of a tournament going. And um, boys are always the new signings are always raking the people. Oh, you're when are you going to sing and all? And thankfully, yeah, uh, actually got that out of the road. But uh, that yeah. was, I, I, the whole time, and Mama was thinking. <laughs> cannot wait to get home here because I'm going to have to sing on the plane home so no it was can, it can was, we ask you what you did sing in the end uh, The Gambler okay uh, <laughs> so do I you get to choose that or is that the song no, no you just you choose whatever you want to sing <laughs> okay. and uh, uh, do that that was the easiest one I could pick it that, that was all I could, <laughs> that's, could that's not so bad there you go at least you know he's not the card of the county um, <laughs> do they boom boom thank you uh, <laughs> <laughs> do they tell you when you're going to sing or is it like a look you're going to sing on this trip and, and we'll just you pick a song and when the moment's right we'll tell you or do you get to negotiate or how does it work no I think it just happens I think on the way home from Malmo um, <laughs> uh, there was me Daggy Carville and uh, Ross Lavery with three new signings so, and Ross is a bit of a he's a bit of a musician right so he was, he was saying he could he doesn't mind singing, and obviously Daggy gets up and he sings, and, and then Ross gets up and then I sing. And you're over the wee phone in the, you know, the plane where they say, "Oh, ten minutes to landing" or whatever. Oh, oh yeah. you did it properly. Aye, and we're all singing over the phone, <laughs> and the captain's like, "Right, can you put that down now, please?" Oh wow! Yeah. So, 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 like, paint a picture for me. Is this uh, solely Balamina United people on this and supporters and all, or is there like random no, people? No, involved? it's just uh, this was a chartered flight, so it was just staff players 
That was it. That's I'm, I'm not bored. too bad. No, I know. I think uh, it's bad, but it's not too bad. I think it could have been worse. Like, you know, <laughs> it, you wouldn't want anything like that getting out. Did, did you practice in advance what you were going to sing? No, it was just. I, I was sitting at home. I was just thinking. Night dreading it. <laughs> love that. Just dreading it. Uh, Every night in the car, he's just got a plan. <laughs> oh, you do. You love that song. Yeah, love that song. Uh, very good. Uh, so Ross is. Uh, he actually is a decent chanter, is he? Ah, uh, he well. I think he done uh I think he was saying to me he done um, music at uni, so okay. he, he he knows a bit. Well, he knows a bit about it anyway. That's good to know. Forever, ever stuck that's in a broadcast, right. a couple of minutes to fill. Where's Ross Lavery? Yeah. <laughs> Someone find him a guitar or something. Um, those uh, like it's great for bonding as well. Going away and getting a, it's you know that experience abroad. You're you're together a bit more. You get to figure everybody out. But I would imagine because you're sportsmen. Um, a table tennis tournament could very quickly become a highly competitive process. It doesn't. Uh-huh. It's it's not like when you're just playing with your mate and it's a bit leisurely. It all of a sudden becomes right. Who's the best? Yeah. No. Um, I think up or in the hotel at Malmo, they were uh, they were starting to play each other. You know, a few games first day, and then um, obviously it progressed. And I was just sitting there looking. I was like. I was thinking I'm okay at table tennis, like I can hit it over the net and stuff. It's a good and start. It's a good start. And I was thinking, I don't think I could get a point against any of these boys. Like Ross Lavery again was unbelievable. He holds a bat like a full, you know, like a like an actual player. And I was yeah. just like, I think I'll just set that one out. <laughs> I couldn't play that. We were at a wedding in Canada uh, in August. Uh, shout out to Darren and Maranel, the, the happy couple. And um, we we got uh, one of the guys got a, a table tennis set like a portable one and just set it up in the the kitchen area of this house we'd rented out lovely big house and a decent enough sized table so it's just the net and you got the, the paddles and the yeah. thankfully plenty of paws because we were losing them out the door and because uh, we were like floor up so they were going out <laughs> and down you know, right but I thought I've played table tennis, but I'm pretty good at it. I think I was useless. You see, compared to other people, you know when you—that's a terrible feeling when you think I can actually do this. It's like ice skating or something. You know, how hard could it be? And there's a four-year-old <laughs> doing spins and jumps, and you're going, "Well, I just—I'm on my bum. Uh-huh. I give up." But it was a wee bit like that. And you realise that, like everything in life, there are levels. <laughs> <laughs> so Ross is Ross Lavery is not just good at singing. I'm starting to not like Ross Lavery. Uh, he's talented. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm making right to be a, you, good at everything you, 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 you obviously always make a tenor uh, <laughs> <laughs> you give me a lift here today actually I need to uh, so who who else in there was, was fairly decent on, um, the, on the top end of the table tennis spectrum I think, I think um, Stevie McCulloch was good too I think I can remember and his Scott, hair wasn't getting in the way Scott Whiteside no no um, uh, Scott Whiteside was good I think too but Ah, there was, they, were all, they were all good and I was just like I'm not even going up there to even try because <laughs> I just get beat 11 nil or something oh. and did the boys all behave on the trip because I, uh, I have memories of players not behaving on oh, European sure. trips I'm sure there's plenty of, plenty of <laughs> stories about that no but we we all behaved like and um, sure d- didn't do anything no sneaking out of rooms during the night well, or no? there might have been a bit of sneaking uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's less than McCarville um, <laughs> no but there was nothing nothing obviously everyone knows their boundaries and the limits yeah. of, of things like that. Yeah, see now everybody with with uh, cameras on their phones calling. There's it's a lot mm, harder to that's it. a lot harder to do that nowadays. Yeah. Tell you that much. Um, in in terms of your playing career, when did you, you say? Obviously, you come from a family of people that have just had a love affair with the Irish league. So it's no surprise really that you know football was something you were always going to want to try and yeah. do. Uh, when did it start for you? What you know? What was your first club? What what age were you kind of playing in a team? Um, I think it was a. I was in primary school, and I think it was seven. Just turned seven, 
And uh, one of my mates in, in my primary school class, um, Matt Thompson, he said, you should come and join this club, uh, Ridgeway Rovers, their local, local team, Dundonald. And uh, I said to my dad, obviously, and he was like, yeah, I'll take you down. So in the summer, we went down. Um, play. We didn't have a kit then. So we used to have... <laughs> um, Philip Mitchell was the one. He founded that. And I think he must have got the old Linfield kit. So we had to play in a Linfield kit for the first... I think it was maybe first six months until we got a, a kit, a Ridgeway kit, and it was red and black. And um, so that's how it all started. Just literally a conversation with one of my mates. And when I was seven in primary school, and you know, kicking a ball about in the playground or something, it's like, oh, you should come and sign. And it just it, it went from that. You must have scored all the opposition when he's in the Linfield players all coming in. Why is this team called Ridgeway Rovers and Linfield kit? But, and obviously there was. Being from Dundonald, you know it's the east side of the yeah. of Belfast, and there's a few, there was a few Glen men didn't didn't take too kindly to weren't in the field. <laughs> oh, I'd say not. Actually, it's a great extra dimension I hadn't considered there. Initially, they're going here. It's more like a Ridgeway Ringers. Look at this, like <laughs> Linfield's junior team are coming mm-hmm. out. Yeah. But uh, what's that? Really good shin pads. Those those boys. Before you got a good kit, you got the good shin pads on. I know. <laughs> That's fantastic, um, and and from there, then where does it go? I mean, you're obviously you're 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 there. Were you always in midfield? Yes, I. I, I think we started at seven aside, or you, you don't really play formation; you just run about. But I think ever since we were put in the formation, I was in centre midfield, and um, I was at Ridgeway for must have been eight years, eight or nine years, up until I was fifteen. Um, played in the Lisburn League. It was it was brilliant. We won it twice, I think, and then we went Ridgeway as a whole club. Then, like as an organisation, had a conversation about going to the national league, and it's like recognised as you know the top league, obviously. Then feeling Glen Torn on it, and so we went. You have to go through the B League through the national league. We won it, um, and then went into the A section. We done okay our first season mid table, and then the second season. I think a few players left. You know, it's that age where people start going to Glen Torn, Linfield Crusaders, Cliffmill, whatever. Um, people start tapping them on the shoulders. You know, come and join our club or whatever instead of a boys' club. You know, so we went a few boys left and we struggled a wee bit, and then I signed for Crusaders, um, and was two and a half years there at under sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Uh, I think. Reserve, played a few games for the reserves too, but we won. We had a good Crusaders team too, and and that's where it went from there. And then who was in who was in that team coming up around you? There was there's still a player there, Tom Matheson. He's still at Crusaders. He's, I think he just went out to Ballyclare and loan there. Um, there was there was plenty of good players, but I'm not too sure if any of them are still playing at the minute. Um, Rory Brown actually. Yeah. He's Institute's goalkeeper. He was in our team, um, but we won. I think we won the National League and we won the NIBFA Cup against Linfield. So, no, it was it, it was a good Crusaders team too, and it was just all enjoyable memories back then. Like, yeah. and, and by that point, you've really got a good taste for it, haven't you? Oh, uh, yeah, you're you're loving playing every week, and and especially when you're winning like that, that you know it's it's just a delight to play football when it's like that. Are you at that age group? Are you getting to play on Seaview then, or where where are your matches? Yes, I think actually the way it worked that. Whenever we were under seventeens or whatever, it was Friday night games. So every week was a Friday night game at Seaview, and then you have your Saturday free, obviously. Um, but we played in Seaview and obviously a few other grounds. Um, and 
I don't think we played in too many other grounds every week, but obviously because CV was free and it's 3G pitch, you know, but it's good to get a taste of it that, at that age. Like, it's, it's brilliant. So then uh, moving to arts and more synthetic surfaces wasn't a problem for you? <laughs> no, sorry, damn. <laughs> Actually, we were in, I was, must have been 18 maybe, and I think just... I think it was that time it went from 17s to reserves. There was a there was a big gap anyway, so there was a few of us in the reserves, too old for the 18s or or something like that. And um, I wasn't really playing at reserves, so I thought like, there's no point. I'm one of them ones. There's no point sitting about if you're not playing. You just go and, if you can go have to drop down a level or whatever. Just go and play. So I knew at that stage, Davy Bryson and and John Bailey and. Niall Curry was actually the manager at Ards and I think I signed in January and Niall went just shortly after to, to port it down and then that's when Colin Nixon came in, Davy was still there and obviously he was just playing reserves but training with the first team um, and that was, even that, that was brilliant because like, you're only 18 you're thinking wow, training with an Irish league team or um, even if you're playing reserves so I was playing reserves every week and that Ards team actually I don't think I think that about two or three points by January, and after we signed a few players in January, we we'll, we'll climbed up the table a wee bit. So it was just good to get playing again, to be honest, and stop, you know, so you don't fall out of love with football or whatever. And uh, I mean, people are probably listening immediately going, gosh, he's played under some amount of managers for all the age of you. Because what age are you now? 20. 20, and you know, you go through what you've had three at Ards. Yeah. You know, right. alone before we worry about who you were with at different, yeah. you know, youth groups or, or obviously uh, now with Balamina as well. Um, and we're going to come on to Super Cup and I, what was uh, the Milk Cup. But at Ards, did you did it feel like a, a big step up coming into to first team football at that level as opposed to being in a junior setup previously? Oh, uh, definitely, definitely. It is. I think anyone that um, anyone that makes the jump from, you know, youth football up to start training with first team regularly, you know, they know the difference. It's, it's a lot more competitive. You know, it's it's fierce. It's although it's good crack at the same time, but you know, when you're playing and, and training, you train hard as you can, and, and I think that's something you just you learn obviously as as you go into that to make that step up. Did you find it hard to make the jump up in the physicality side of things? I mean, obviously you're playing against men as opposed to. Uh, yeah, no, it is obviously. You're still developing. There's men. They're they're not not afraid. And just right, in my opinion, just you know, you train as you play, and yeah, you train hard, and and it is a step up physically, and you sort of have to be able to look after yourself, and um, if that means you have to go and do something extra in the gym or whatever to try and um compete, then that's what you have to do. But it is it definitely is physically a step up. I mean, and the thing is, there's some really good players in those arts teams over the years as well. I mean, uh, whether you, you've got some of the more boisterous characters, like your Craig McMillan's, uh, Michael Ruddy was on this show a wee while ago, Callum Byers, Greg Hall. I mean, who is the... He's probably the oldest, not that old person ever. Every, you know, every time we talk about Greg Hall, I, he's like a running joke on the show. We need to get him on sometimes. It's not fair. But I think Greg's probably the same age as me or maybe a year older or something like that. But it just seems like he's always been the very sensible, yeah. reliable defender that everybody's played against. Yeah. I think uh I was I think it was Greg was there for a year maybe when I was there and then um he went to Port of Down but I know Adam McCallum from Port of Down, I go to uni with him and he was saying uh he was saying like I was like, what age is Craig or is Greg now? And he was like, he's only you know, thirty or thirty one or whatever. I was like, 
just seems like he, he's <laughs> been, you know, he just like a, comes across as so experienced there, and it just doesn't seem. But no, he he was brilliant, brilliant trainer and a, a really sound lad too. So coming into that dressing room because it's your first experience of of senior football. I mean, is it intimidating for a young player coming in there? Because there was there wasn't there was a few young players coming through ours at that point as well, which maybe I suppose helped. Yeah, um, I knew. Callum Byers who had just signed from Linfield the year before and um, so that sort of helped you know it's always good to have a friendly face in the, in the change room that you know that you can speak to if you want to but it is I suppose you could call it intimidating but I um, I just try and go in you know talk to whoever you can and, and I would just sort of sit there quietly if I, if I spoke to I'd, I'd speak back but not really much else than that you weren't turning around to Jonah Mitchell and going, your dad used to get me a kit to play, no? <laughs> no, I didn't do that, no, but uh, that would have been funny. He's had some season, hasn't he? I mean, just alone, knocking Linfield out of the Irish Cup, is uh, you could down out in that for a couple of years, can't you? Uh, there's two ex- two uh, ex-Arge boys there, Mark McKenna too. Both of them scored, obviously, against Linfield. So, no, it's brilliant to see. I was glad for them because, obviously, I know them well. And two, good, two good lads and uh, delighted to see for them. Uh, a small matter of Glen Torren up next for the, the Queen's boys so uh, we'll mm. see how that goes uh, the Irish Cup is a, of course a special competition and for many people now they're probably looking at it uh, certainly through sky blue tinted glasses and thinking this is our big hope yeah I think no pressure right. <laughs> no pressure's right but I think uh, even the players know that too obviously not you can never take your eyes off the league too um, but I think the Irish Cup we've made no bones about it that we will definitely go for it and, and give it our, obviously our best, we're always going to give us our best shot anyway, but I think it's just more emphasis put on it now with with what unfortunately has happened in the league. But um, while also not taking our eyes off the league, I think it's important to just take every game as it comes, basically, you know, as the cliche goes. And up next in the Irish Cup, which is next weekend, how does that come around so quickly? Uh, Warren Point Town? Yes, that's... Obviously going to be a tricky test down there. Um, I think only must have been last month or or so ago they beat us. Obviously down there, and we know that'll be a trick, tricky test. But obviously one you have to go and believe that you're gonna you're gonna win and and get through the next round. And all you need to, doesn't matter how you win in the Irish Cup. It just as long as you're in the next round, that's all that matters. And uh, look, and doesn't Tuesday? Sorry to hark back to it, but doesn't that sort of just emphasise that point even more you know it's not the we played well cup no definitely I think uh, David um, said to us after the Crumlin Star game that you know it wasn't the prettiest of performances against Crumlin Star but you're in the hat and that's all that matters at the end of the day you know whether you get through win 10-0 or 1-0 it's you're through and that's it and look, the Irish Cup it reminds us every year in the FA Cup in England too just look at Tramier Rovers last, night, last yeah. night against Watford Um Cups are all those clubs are going into the cup, trying to get the scalp. You know that that could make their whole season. They don't expect to win the FA Cup, the Irish Cup, whatever. But when they're against the Premiership team, they one hundred percent are up in their game to try and do whatever they can to to get that scalp. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you just you just need to look at the amount of shocks that have happened, as you said. Well, it's been the Irish Cup with the. Or even the English Cup, um, the FA Cup over there. It's, it's just you have to be on your game, and you cannot you cannot go in complacent like because there could be a big scalp coming, and you don't want it to be you. 
No, most certainly not. You want that you want that cup journey to continue. Um, as I touched upon, I mean, you've had cup experience uh, through the County Down setup, Super Cup NI, um, under another previous guest of the show on a few weeks ago, John Bailey. Yeah. Um, what was that like? How many years were you involved? I was involved uh, three years in a row, I think, um, with County Down. And the first year was in the junior section with Kyle Spears was the manager and Jason Purvis, they took it. And then... Uh, I was in a year young at with John Bailey's team uh, the next year and then the year after obviously my own age and obviously it's just it's a pretty unique competition you know you you play against some of the world's best teams and um, you're trying to obviously you're trying to up your game and, and uh, play against these boys and get as far as you can um, in the competition but no it's a brilliant competition and, and it was a brilliant experience to play up and around the north coast and against different teams from all over the world, you know, all different continents and, and stuff like that. Who were some of the best ones you played against? There must be some stick in your mind. Um, I think there was a few good teams. I think we played against uh, Vaughn Day. Were, they were decent. Um, they were a good side. I think one of the years they were actually good and then the next year they weren't great, but the, the, the time we played them, they were a good side and then we played Club America yep. who got... I'm not sure if I got the semis or the, the final, but they were they were top. With all their team. players, like six hundred and thirty four, six hundred and thirty five. Yes, that's right. Commentators <laughs> dream that brackets sarcasm. <laughs> oh, they're super, really, really good team. I uh, I did both those sides actually. I remember doing Von D in your hundred percent. One of the years they just weren't as good. They brought maybe brought some younger players through, um, which you know perfectly fine to do. That's what tournaments are for to give people a chance. And uh, I remember doing one of the games and sort of saying they were they were against a team that on paper, if you were just comparing name versus name, they should win. Yeah. And I was saying, I make them the underdogs because I'd seen them. And so I remember just getting a tweet from somebody like, oh, they're way more established than we are. And you're like, mm-hmm. yes, but you've also brought your best team and they haven't. So, but um, try explain that to people. It's not just the the you know it's not just the kit. It's the players. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, the Club America team were really, really good. We were getting the match cards and there were four names in not necessarily the order that someone who's grown up in this part of the world would naturally read them. Yeah. You know, if I put your name down a bit of paper, it's left or right, whereas you might need to go like second name, third name, first name, fourth name <laughs> uh, to try and figure out the right way to say it. And this will shock everybody. I don't really watch much under 15, under 16 football in Mexico. Um <laughs> <laughs> sorry but uh, it was certainly an experience but coming onto the pitch with those guys because you can't scout them <laughs> at all mm. and you're playing with people you haven't played with before up until then um, it must just be a lot of fun but kind of crazy it is no it's, it is a crazy <laughs> I would say the whole the whole lead up to it the whole competition it's just it's definitely just a unique tournament you know the bonding you have to do before it try and get into a bit of a you know like a feel like a team and then you're going to play against some of the best teams in the world, basically. And you know you're playing against Premier League teams, South, Amer- South American teams. Um, you have to, you just have to step up to the mark, basically, when you're going to play in that competition. And then there's always the I hear there's a here there's a scout here from Man United. Here uh, there's a there's always whispers about it. It's somebody's dad, but someone's told you that that bloke over there is definitely going to hire for Newcastle or Chelsea. Uh, he's or wearing Liverpool top, so he's, <laughs> a, he's a Liverpool scout. Uh, it's one of them ones. There must be a bit of that. Uh, the kidology. Um, those are, I would imagine, experiences you look back on and just think we're so lucky to be a part of that. When you look at who's played in that tournament, 
I mean, some of the best footballers in the world have come over and gone to the North Coast and, and done a couple of weeks in it. Yeah, it's, it's, it is brilliant. And even now, um, my family, we, we go up to Portrush for the week just to watch it and, and rent out a house up there for the week. And I think there's there's a wee festival on beforehand in Port Stewart and stuff and there's fireworks and all. So, no, it, it is a... There's like a special feel about it, if you get me, and, and it is a good competition to play in. Like, brilliant. You begging your family to go see the fireworks? Right? <laughs> That's right. Get a Morales ice cream. <laughs> oh, well, here now. Other brands of ice cream are available. <laughs> uh, but certainly, uh, no, it's the whole thing is uh, uh, an awful lot of fun. There's no doubt about it. Did you get a chance to see Newcastle? Since you're a Newcastle fan, uh, um, some quality players there. It's it almost sickening you probably when you're going, he's what age? I know. I know. It was always the three years I played, I was always hoping, you know. If County Down could draw against Newcastle, it would be brilliant. But uh, I did go watch Newcastle a few times against Liverpool. I think I think the match I actually went to watch uh, Liverpool-Newcastle ended 4-3 Liverpool, which is a, <laughs> that's a th- it's happened a few times before. <laughs> so, uh, no, it, it was it is a good good competition. Unfortunately, I never got to play against Newcastle. <laughs> no. Um, the thing that stood out for me watching you um, in your, your fledgling career so far is... You're not shy on the pitch. There's definitely a competitive streak in you. I mean, when you get in there, you you'll happily mix it if that's the right term. Um, has that sort of wee edge? Has that always been in your game? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Um, See the wee smile just as I say that. I was. I was. Uh, <laughs> there's been a few times that I've probably been lucky to stay on the pitch, but no, I think uh, that's just you know old school dad, old school granda. You know, it's just sort of you, you don't. You're you're obviously taught oh, don't let them bully you or whatever you know the all sends all them type of sends um make sure you get stuck in blah 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 but no I, I just that's just the thing you need that for a certain feeler you need to be a bit of a combative nature and um definitely I wouldn't I'm probably a bit different off the pitch actually than I'm on the pitch I wouldn't say I'm anything like it but then obviously when you're going out for ninety minutes you're you're out there to play as best you can and, and win and so. If anything comes in the way of that, you have to try and overcome I mean, it. I would be more concerned for the people that say, I'm the same off the pitch. Because <laughs> yeah. a lot of people I know on the pitch, and I would say myself included, even if I'm playing absolutely useless standard when mates, we seven, eight aside, whatever it is, as soon as we start playing, just, you know, it's game mode and I happily kick anybody, you know. That old, if you can't catch him, kick him. I love all that. Yeah. The the cynical red card we were talking about from Atletico Madrid last week, you know, I was near teary-eyed going, well done, son. So, so brilliant. <laughs> you know, and I'm going, oh, that's not very nice, you know, but if if you were like that in real life, you'd probably have no friends. Um, So it's probably good yeah, that you can kind of... Switch it off. On the pitch, and then there's off the pitch. Um, But on it, definitely not lacking any sort of competitive uh, nature in you I mean does that does that extend in other ways though I mean are, are you like that playing kerplunk at Christmas you know are you do you, do you do you always have to win things or can you settle it I think uh, you always you always hear footballers saying you know whether I'm playing football or whether I'm playing pillywinks you know yeah. I have to win it's, it, everyone says it but I wouldn't say I always have to win but I would say I'm a bit of a sore loser um, you know if I'm playing I have a wee brother so if I'm playing him in the Playstation or or whatever at a board game or something you know if he wins then you know throw a bit of a huff for half yeah. an hour but sure I think everyone does that what, how much younger than you is your brother he's seven years younger than me so oh. he's only 13 ok uh, well I mean but he's a lot better in the Playstation than I am well see I was about to say because this is the thing you know if he was closer to you in age people would be going oh right ok but it actually might not be as good 
because there's a there's that horrible thing where when they become that much younger than you, they're so much better at technology. <laughs> you know what I mean? My like my nephew's two, and he can just use a phone perfectly. And you're like, how are you able to do that? He can. His superpower, if it is such a thing, is if you give him a phone with YouTube on it, he will find the app. Mm-hmm. You put it where you want, he'll find it. And you're going, how's it? He's two. How does he know what it even looks like? But he does. Uh, so no, definitely. I mean, I remember the feeling of beating my dad at a computer game for the first time as a kid. I think I was maybe four. And uh, say very quietly because he probably doesn't like that. Did they have computers back then? Oh, they did. They Sega Mega Drives. Uh, oh, I'll explain okay. to Josh what that is afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's there's nothing quite like it. A wee bit of friendly competition. Um, Colin, you wouldn't be like that though, would you? I'm sure. Like if you've younger family members around, like you'd let them score in the goal net in the garden. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Have to learn somehow. My my uh, auntie said this to me actually over the holidays. She she said, like, you were mustered with all your wee, you know, cousins. You wouldn't like if you I I was never a goalkeeper, I'm hopeless. Like if I go into net, it's a protest vote, okay? <laughs> I'm the player that turns deaf when someone goes, Who's in nets? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, I'm just gonna run for the first time all day. Uh, the the opposite direction. But always was like, No, 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 you have to try, you have to be better. You have to do. I was. Oh, I don't know why. I was always like that with them. I just wouldn't let them. Oh, well done. You're seven. You're allowed a goal. No. Nah. Nah. <laughs> it's the only time I can maybe make saves. But you, um, you mentioned there, Josh, about your family always being quite supportive. Your father, your grandfather. Would they come along to games and so forth every match? Yeah, my dad. Um, he's he goes and watches some other games sometimes too. But my granddad would always he would always be there. Um, whether it be home or away, you know, I actually remember. Um, Last Boxing Day was all the, obviously all the the derbies, but ours played Institute away, and okay. obviously my face from my grand when I said to my granddaughter, we're away to Institute on Boxing Day. <laughs> Look at Derby. Well, uh, Kelly's taxis aren't in operation that day, so <laughs> no. But he he would come home and away unless something's obviously wrong. Like, but home and away, he'd always come and watch me. Whether it be ours or he's an ours fan, he's an ours hat, and he's a Balamina hat. So very good. So that's lovely. <laughs> And who did you support in Irish League? Uh, we were all Linfield men. My, mm. my um, granda, he's from he's from Donegal Road, like so. Right, okay. I think he there was nothing else but Linfield no around that place. So oh, yeah, it would have been distillery down the Grosvenor Road. But <laughs> it's another story for another day. <laughs> Here, there we go. But uh, I'm now getting the picture. You see, maybe it was uh, granda and dad in the back garden putting the crunch and tackles uh-huh. and going, "You well tackle back." Yeah, <laughs> hurt me. And I just get up. <laughs> It's like some sort of Jedi training or something like that. Uh, no, it's uh, look, it's it's made you the player you are today. You've you've got a, a pretty good goal to your name this season. I I don't score too many, but uh, um, it's one of watched about four million times probably. <laughs> I think there's about four hundred thousand views and three hundred ninety nine of them are mine. <laughs> uh, uh, no, it's obviously it was. I didn't even know what to do when it went in. Just it was mental. <laughs> and fittingly against Crusaders. Yeah, um, I didn't really think about that at the time, but yeah, it was, it was just good to score. To be honest, never mind who it was against. So you're, I mean, you could look down the years and go, like, you know, he's maybe more yellow cards than goals. This chap, <laughs> um, you're, you're not sort of known for your goals. Is that something you're working on, or is that just not part of your game? Are you are you sort of happy to be more deep lying, more tackling, more put the ball forward and let someone else get the goals? No, I think um obviously everyone. You're trying to improve everything, all aspects of your game. Um, I probably should and could have had a few more goals this season with a bit more, don't know, relaxation or composure in front of goal. But um, no, obviously you're trying and training. Actually, last night in training, 
I think I should bring this up. Uh, <laughs> I think I got the ball on the edge of the box, and it was like a pass back. And David was like, "Who signed him? Who signed him?" <laughs> and they're all saying you had a nightmare in front of the goal. So I got something. Maybe I should work on a bit of shooting. Well, it, do you know what? If you if you are able to get to the point where they look like passbacks in training, but they're pinging in a match days, they'll forgive well, you for that at least. So you've got your you've got your one collector's item, but you'll maybe not want to. Uh, <laughs> not want to stop there. Um, uh, talking about goals and Balamina, um, obviously there's been a lot of speculation in the last couple of days about a certain Mister Lackey. Um, Glen Torn, uh, rumor has it, of uh, a bit of money. Did, did you hear that one, Colin? <laughs> and uh, there was a, a bid's gone in mm. for. A couple of players, Joe Gormley, Adam Leckie, around £60,000 was the reported individual fees for those moves. Um, uh, Clifton Villa issued a statement saying pretty much Joe Gormley says no, so do we. It was nearly as terse as that, but uh, they didn't miss the mark. Um, what was it like at training last night with Adam Leckie? I mean, because I don't, I don't, unless I've missed it, I, didn't, I haven't seen Balamina's official reply apart from David Jeffrey calling, saying that he's not a piece of meat. <laughs> no, I think uh, from that response you can tell that he's. I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, but obviously, you know, you know what it's like. I think it's probably the same in every dressing room. There's a bit of stick going around if there's players interested or whatever, and or clubs interested in players. And uh, obviously, when Adam got the ball last night, everyone was giving him a bit of stick. And so he's going to be a Glenthorne player soon, or um, he's worth a lot of money, you know, and uh, stuff <laughs> like that. But no, it's all just light-hearted stuff and. That's good matter. So, so it wasn't like Catherine Leroy and stuff going like if he's worth sixty, I must be. Yeah, <laughs> no, there's none of that. There's none of that. <laughs> it's it's a very hefty price tag on an Irish league player. With all due respect to, him, to, to both the players, that would be the record. Yeah, would be the record. Yeah, would be a record. Yeah. Glenn Ferguson was he the previous fifty five thousand? Yeah, and that was ninety. Uh, they got their money's worth out of Glenn, but you know sixty thousand this time he just. Big, big money. Yeah, it's a, I mean, you can't compare the fees because of how far apart those no. two amounts of cash should be spent, you know. And, you know, 60 grand now is not as much as 55 grand then, realistically, yeah. is it? Yeah. But yeah. if you're doing it twice in one window, then we're starting to go, well, it's quite a bit of money. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, look, it, it remains to be seen whether, like, that was advocate here, right? My wee birthday, but he's younger than me. Andrew Mitchell, it's also his birthday tomorrow. He's just signed for Glen Torren. If you've just signed for Glen Torren as a striker and you have the bid for two other strikers and you're also at a club that has Robbie McDade and Curtis Allen and Paul O'Neill, how do you, how do you feel? Yeah, exactly. Where are they going to play them all? You know, because people are saying, and look, this is, I'm not getting a Glen Torren because um, maybe there's a plan to move people on or maybe there's other things going on. Who knows? Maybe there's injuries I'm not aware of. So, okay, there's I can see why planning happens. But some people are speculating that it's all a ruffle the feathers act. I don't know. I don't know that that's necessarily what the plan is, but I'm sort of going, you can ruffle feathers both ways. You know, you've also got your own players, so I would manage how many people I'm interested in, unless it's a motivation tactic, I don't know. Yeah, there is a little bit of tactic as well, which certainly I don't approve of, but clubs with money, if they see somebody challenge them, they'll go in and take their best player. Not necessarily going to play them all the time, but just a week on the other side, which is... A tactic I'm not that keen on, I have to say, you know, but could well be the case now. Many have been accused of it. <laughs> Many. It, it's, yeah. a, it's a very tricky one. I mean, look, let's be honest, football is is a is a business, so you have to run it smart. You can't run yourself into the ground financially, stating the obvious. Um, the other side of it is it's all about winning. 
And, you know, ultimately how anybody feels is kind of second place if you're a team challenging for a title. No, it sounds very harsh, but if you're in a cup final and a little bit of cynical behaviour helps you win a cup final, you become a part of folklore, you become a hero. Nobody kind of goes, oh, remember, you know, the other team will, but I mean, you don't play for the other team. So you got to sort of think about it all. If if whatever way Glenthorne approach this season takes them to the Holy Land, you know, they lift the Gibson Cup aloft after such a wait. Mick McDermott is going to be a hero. They'll be building a statue. They won't be given a hoot that he put in a couple of transfer bids in January that didn't go through. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I think it's, it's hard to say. You know, obviously, you don't know what Glenn Turner are thinking, but it, for me, it's just a statement of intent. Obviously, that you you know what um, Glenn Turner are doing, and obviously, with the competitiveness of the top five or six at the minute, you know, I think they're every club's well within their right to go and try and get the best players for they think for them. This transfer window is brilliant as well, isn't it? It's like. It's almost like one of those generators. You know, you just you just put like, bing, Josh Kelly, Barcelona. You know, it just, why not? Why not? And then 45 million. Yeah, okay, sure, let's do it. Because you look at, I mean, and even outside of our league, you look at what's going on in the Serie A and Inter Milan signing anybody that's ever set foot in England. That's right. It's crazy, isn't it? You know, they're, I don't know whether they're going back through like old Heathrow video footage and going, hey, he'll do. <laughs> but um, the transfers at the minute in general are crazy. But in the Irish League, Colin, we're seeing a lot of clubs linked to a lot of players. And uh, I daren't say that uh, we're done yet. I think there's going to be quite a few more moves happening. I think so. Yeah, it's been a very, very active transfer on for January, certainly. And as you say, there's a lot more to come. I think Glenfield will certainly strengthen uh, the next couple of weeks. All sorts of rumours hitting the, the surface at the moment. We'll just say man is actually transpire. But in terms of playing standard, Josh, it's a very, very hard league this year. All the all the teams are you know, are much improved, I think, from last season even. Definitely, you know, it's just obviously we sit, me and Michael were talking at the start there and said that it just looks like a completely different landscape mm-hmm. to what it was last year. Um whether that be the money, the different change of managers, obviously Paddy McLaughlin going to Cliftonville, you know, it's just, and it's obviously, it's what you want to see for the league, um, mm-hmm. as as long as obviously there isn't really a gulf between maybe seven or eight teams and two or three, you know, you don't really want that, but in general I think it is a good, it definitely is a positive for the league that it's becoming more competitive, hopefully draws fans out and gives it a bit more publicity and yeah, it can really be a good thing. Just yeah. uh, like you know, a transfer that's been confirmed um, whilst we've been on air is the one that was speculated, Andrew Mitchell of Linfield moving to Larne. Um, the news came out yesterday on social media that that was likely to go ahead. Larne have announced it in uh, the last 20 minutes. So uh, if you want to see a picture of him holding a Larne jersey, it is on their, it's on their Twitter. And you can do. Uh, but what was great was... Um, I did see somebody, and I'm not poking fun, it's an easy mistake to make, I did see someone going, I read in your paper last week and he was going to Glen Torren. <laughs> You're like, no, there's there's only two Andrew Mitchells. <laughs> it does sometimes throw you in fairness, so I can understand how it happened, but still gave me a wee chuckle. Um, what about Balamina? There hasn't been any trialist A, B or Cs, has there, at training this week? No, there hasn't. That's all been um, quiet. I don't, obviously, we don't really know much. And, um I don't know. Is that a poker face, Josh? <laughs> I'm a bad liar. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think it's all going 
he's probably David and the staff are probably working hard behind the scenes if if they want to get players in or not. But uh, none of the players know anything about anything. Okay, interesting. <laughs> <Dark>. <laughs> uh, in terms of uh, the the future, um, uh, there's a big question. Uh, what, have you set sort of targets in your career of what you want to do? Um, obviously, being a fan of the Irish League and, and, and knowing what it's all about, have you sort of mapped out, maybe looking at other teammates and what they've achieved or past teammates and thought, wouldn't mind a bit of this? Oh, obviously you do. Um, think about all the all the cups and the glory and stuff. You, you obviously at some stage in your career would would like to be privileged enough to to say you have a medal of the Irish Cup or, or the league or what any cup. Um I think that would just be my main aim. I wouldn't say I have any specific set targets about um where I wanna play or what all the guy. It's just to try and be as successful as possible and play as long as possible and that's basically it. And uh, what are those Balamina fans have the Balamina fans been nice to you? Oh no, I I can't complain about the Balmain fans. Have been, have been brilliant. Um, anyone that I've met, they've uh, they've been very welcoming and, and nice. And I think that's the way they are with with all their players. You know, it's obviously a, a tough patch. Fans are allowed to to criticise, but that's you take that as as being a footballer, you take that in the chin. So, and uh, have the family accepted that? You know. Boxing Day will be in Korean every other year thereabouts. I I think uh, so. Well, <laughs> Boxing Day last year was an institute, so I'm actually glad it was in Korean this year. It's a bit closer, slightly um, closer. Uh, no, I think <laughs> we normally do have have a bit of a a gathering on Boxing Day, but it's been postponed to about eight o'clock when I get home. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's standard place I think now yeah. for all in the Irish League. Uh, Josh, it's been great having you on the program. Yes, it's been great to be here. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. Wish you all the best uh, for the weekend and indeed for uh, the remainder of your season. And uh, Balamina fans will have those fingers crossed that uh, with Adam Leckie and the rest of the boys available that uh, the Irish Cup might have a, a wee bit of a run and you can give it a go. Yes, hopefully hopefully we can we can end the season as successful as possible. And that's all we hope for and I'm sure that's all the fans hope for too. Fantastic. Uh, Josh Kelly, thanks for coming on to The Score. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Score NI podcast with me, Michael Clark. We're back live with the whole show on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM on Friday from 1pm. Or you can subscribe to our podcast today to listen back to the first hour each week at your convenience. And in the meantime, keep in touch via our Facebook and Twitter feeds. We hope you can join us for the next episode.